0: Uh, speaks about the blessed person whose delight is in the law of the Lord and on his law he meditates day and night he is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season whose leaf does not wither whatever he does prospers and uh, so the Bible says that there is a blessing for those who meditate in God's law in his word in the daytime and in the evening and we're in the evening time and so we're going to think together about God's word and we ask him that he would grant us that blessing so let's make that a prayer as we come together Lord we need the irrigation uh, that the tree needed to be planted by the water We long, Lord, to be fruitful like that tree. Uh, We long to have the resilience that we don't dry up in difficult times, but that we keep being fruitful like the tree described. And you have said that as we meditate in your word, those blessings will be ours. So um, we ask you, Lord, to make those blessings ours this evening as we come before you. Give us listening ears and responsive hearts and lives that are able to be changed by you into the likeness of Jesus Christ. These are big prayers to ask, but we ask them in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Let us. Got it, we got into about Chapter 5, but uh, what I thought we would do this evening is simply to try to summarise uh, what we studied. If we can try and summarise up to Chapter 5 in three goes, one of which is this evening, that's what I'd like to try and do. So I think, if we may, we will simply read those first three chapters and... I would like, because my throat is a bit wobbly this evening, I would like to ask all of us, uh, or as many as possible, to share in reading that. If we go to Romans chapter 1, verse 16, I think we're going to abbreviate a little bit. This is Paul, once he's got into his stride, telling the Romans the main bulk of his message. So we're in Romans chapter 1, verse 16, and Julia has a microphone so that um, if we're sitting and reading, if we just switch that on, it will make sure that everybody can hear. So I'm looking for a volunteer in this part to read us some. You will? So it's right at the bottom, right underneath, there's a little switch that you move from one side to another. A little red light comes on. Right, could you read us... How far would you like to... Could you prepare to read 16 to the end of the chapter? Yeah? Excellent. This is chapter 1 from verse 16, and Julia is kindly going to read it to us.
1: I'm not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes, first for the Jew, then for the Gentile. For in the gospel, a righteousness from God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last. Just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of men who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Since what may be known about God is plain to them, because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like mortal man and birds and animals and reptiles. Therefore, God gave them over in their sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshipped and served created things rather than the Creator, who is forever praised. Amen. Because of this, God gave them over to shameful lusts. Even their women exchanged natural relations for unnatural ones. In the same way, the men also abandoned natural relations with women and were inflamed with lust for one another. Men committed indecent acts with other men who received in themselves the due penalty for their perversion. Furthermore, since they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, he gave them over to a depraved mind to do what ought not to be done. They have become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, and depravity. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, and malice. They are gossip, slanderers, God-haters, insolent, arrogant, and boastful. They invent ways of doing evil, and they disobey their parents. They are senseless, faithless, heartless, and ruthless. Although they know God's righteous decree, that those who do such things deserve death. They not only continue to do these very things, but also approve of those who practice them.
0: Thank you very much. Now in a moment we'll read chapter two. Let me tell you what I had in mind. But we would try to summarize these chapters, if we could do it in 20 minutes we'd do very well. I thought we'd say uh, what does this, how does this leave us? What are the implications in terms of mission, in terms of outlook, in terms of individual devotion and anything else that comes to mind? I think there is a key verse which goes something like that. And you might like to think what the blanks are, which says something have sinned and fall short of something of God and are something freely by something through the redemption by something. And I've got some other things as well. So let's come back to that in a moment. So we need to continue to read, if we may. So is there a a volunteer in the middle? Ray, Ray's volunteering. Thank you very much. So could you... Read us, I think, chapter 2, all chapter 2. Could could you do
2: that? Chapter 2. You, therefore, have no excuse, you who pass judgment on someone else. For whatever point you judge the other, you are condemning yourself, because you who pass judgment do the same things. Now we know that God's judgment against those who do such things is based on truth. So when you, a mere man, pass judgment on them, and yet do the same things, do you think you will escape God's judgment? Mm. Or do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, tolerance and patience, not realizing that God's kindness leads you towards repentance? But because of your stubbornness and your unrepentant heart, You are storing up wrath against yourself for the day of God's wrath, when his righteous judgment will be revealed. God will give to each person according to what he has done. To those who by persistence in doing good seek glory, honor and immortality, he will give eternal life. But for those who are self-seeking and who reject the truth and follow evil, there will be wrath and anger. There will be trouble and distress for every human being who does evil, first for the Jew, then for the Gentile. But glory, honor, and peace for everyone who does good, first for the Jew, then for the Gentile. For God does not show favoritism. All who sin apart from the law will also perish apart from the law. And all who sin under the law will be judged by the law. But it is not those who hear the law who are righteous in God's sight, but it is those who obey the law who will be declared righteous. Indeed, when Gentiles who do not have the law do by nature things required by the law, they are a law for themselves, even though they do not have the law since they show that the requirements of the law are written on their hearts, their consciences also bearing witness, and their thoughts now accusing, now even defending them. This will take place on the day when God will judge men's secrets through Jesus Christ, as my gospel declares. Now you, if you call yourself a Jew, if you rely on the law and brag about your relationship to God, If you know his will and approve of what is superior because you are instructed by the law, if you are convinced that you are a guide for the blind, a light for those who are in dark, an instructor of the foolish, a teacher of infants because you have in the law the embodiment of knowledge and truth, you then, who teach others, do you not teach yourself? You who preach against stealing, do you steal? (coughs) You who say people should not commit adultery, do you commit adultery? You who abhor idols, do you rob temples? You who brag about the law, do you dishonor God by breaking the law? As it is written, God's name is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. Circumcision has value if you observe the law, but if you break the law, you have become as though you had not been circumcised. If those who are not circumcised keep the law's requirements, will they not be regarded as though they were circumcised? The one who is not circumcised physically, and yet obeys the law, will condemn you, who, even though you have the written code and circumcision, are a law-breaker. A man is not a Jew if he is only one outwardly, nor is circumcision merely outward and physical. No, a man is a Jew if he is one inwardly, and circumcision is circumcision of the heart by the spirit, not by the written code. Such a man's praise is not from men, but from God."
0: Thank you very much. Uh, we've now come to chapter three, and i'd like us to read up to verse 24. So is there any uh, we've got a um, volunteer over in far and far, far corners? right? Yep, thank you <coughs> chapter 3 up to and including verse
3: 24. What's there, what advantage then is there in being a Jew? Or what value is there in circumcision? Much in every way. First of all, they have been entrusted with the very words of God. What if some Did not have faith. Will their lack of faith nullify God's faithfulness? Not at all. Let God be true and every man a liar, as it is written, so that you may be proved right when you speak and prevail when you judge. But if our righteousness brings out God's righteousness more clearly, what shall we say? That God is unjust in bringing his wrath on us i am using a human argument certainly not if that were so how could god judge the world someone might argue if my falsehood if my falsehood enhances god's truthfulness and so increases his glory why am i still condemned as a sinner why not say as we are being slanderously reported As saying, and as some claim that we say, let us do evil in the that good may result. Their condemnation is deserved. What shall we conclude then? Are we any better? Not at all. We have already made the charge that Jews and Gentiles alike are all under sin. As it is written, there is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands, no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have together become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. Their throats are open graves. Their tongues practice deceit. The poison of vipers is on their lips. Their mouths are full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Ruin and misery mark their ways. And the way of peace they do not know. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be silenced, and the whole world held accountable to God. therefore, no one will be declared righteous in the sight in, the, in His sight by observing the law, rather, through the law we become conscious of sin. But now a righteousness from God, apart from law, has been made known to to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented him as a sacrifice of atonement through faith in his blood. He did this to demonstrate his justice because in his forbearance he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. He did it to demonstrate his justice at the present time so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. Thank
0: you very much. Thank you. Right, those are the chapters, and we took quite a while to go through them previously, so the question is, can we review those chapters in in 20 minutes in a useful and helpful way? Let's pray that we might be able to do so. Lord, help us as we seek to meditate on your word, and encourage one another in your word, so that we may better love you and serve you. Amen. Amen. Well, perhaps we could first of all tackle this, which I think is a key verse, because it does tend to summarise everything that has been uh, discussed. It says, Something has sinned and fall short of the something of God, and are something freely by his something, through the redemption by something. Does anybody spot any of the... All. All have sinned and fall short, so he's saying all have sinned and fall short of something of God yeah, glory, glory. The, the the idea of glory is an important idea in Romans, the opposite of glory is shame and one of the things that he talked about was exchanging the glory of God um, let see if we can find it uh, so in 121 although they knew God they didn't glorify him as God and in verse 22 they exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images and uh, romans is how those he chose he justified those he I mean, no those he called Where does it go? he is it called justified those he knew Those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. So glory is, is part of the agenda, you see. So he says the problem is that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So uh, going back to this key verse, and are something freely justified. justified. Another key word justify to be made righteous or to be dealt with as righteous to be counted righteous a a very very important idea in Romans how can people be counted right with God how can you or I come to pray and know that God is not saying get out of my sight uh, but is saying, I'm listening, speak on. How, how can we know that we are right with God? Just, and that's the word, to be justified freely. Now, we're getting towards an answer to this. Justified freely by his something. Grace. So that's another key word, grace. Grace is when God does not deal according to what we deserve, but deals with us generously despite the fact we don't deserve. And this is another key word in Romans, how God deals with people in grace. Where is his grace to be found? How do you access God's grace? How do you encounter God's grace? And I think the answer is pretty much found in the next blank. We're justified freely by his grace through the redemption which comes by Christ Jesus. So 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 where is this grace? Where is the activity and the, the sort of focal point of God's gracious dealings? Answer it's in Jesus Christ. Uh, redemption is found in him. So that's all within one verse. And it does bring together quite a lot of the threads uh, in the three chapters. Let's see if we can do, have, a, have a go at the whole three chapters in a couple of leaps. So I want to um, go back to the all. Because I think he's been talking actually about all in two main groups which more or less corresponds to the people he was talking about in chapter 1 and then more or less corresponds to the people in chapter 2 and 3 so I've got some more blanks there GR something something K and R something M something something and then another group J something something So, so two big groups of people The Greeks or the Romans and the Jews. Uh, so he's, he's, he's talking about the two big divisions, two big groups. The, the Jew, who is in a certain particular position, and really everybody else, by which he refers to as the Greeks, meaning the people in the Roman Empire at that time, meaning just about everybody else. And these two groups sort of stand for people in the position who are either totally spiritually ignorant and totally spiritually irreverent so that's the Greeks uh, although they're very sophisticated this is how Paul would see them as being basically pig ignorant about the things of God and uh, on the other hand uh, the, the Jewish nation who I've said are knowledgeable about the things of God so that, that, that's, these are the two groups that he's been talking about and when he draws his argument to its, towards its conclusion he says I've said something about the Greeks, the Romans, that lot I've said something about the Jews and at the end of the day you can put them all together and say they've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and if they're going to be saved it's the same just as they're the same in sin they have to be the same in salvation if um, they are going to be saved they're going to be justified freely by his grace through the redemption that's in Christ Jesus it's the same across that great divide does that make sense? Yeah, so sin is the same across that divide and so is the way of grace so now I've got some other blanks to fill in for the, um, the Greeks and Romans there is revelation God does reveal himself to them via something, for the Jew there is revelation via something for the Greeks there is a typical response for the Jew there is a typical response I think Paul talks about some typical behaviour of the Greeks and some typical behaviour of the Jews. I think he talks about God's action and indeed his reaction towards the Greeks and he talks about God's action and reaction towards the Jew and he, against all of this, he has what you would actually call an axiom, which an axiom is just a a way of saying something that you don't prove, it just is the case. You can't prove it, you don't prove it, it's just one of the things that is given. And I've put that there. God will definitely something the world in a something way. And I've left space for a conclusion. So, can we fill in those blanks in no particular order, put them in an order if you so wish, but uh, we're trying to summarise, we won't be able to put in everything that's in all of those chapters, but I think we could have a go at summarising it. So, would you like to start us somewhere? Should we, should we start here with Revelation? What is the Revelation towards the Greek and Roman world natural yeah. and the natural order of creation and conscience now where, could you tell us Ray where it says that
4: verse okay.
0: verse 20 for from or since the creation of the world God's invisible qualities his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen being understood from what has been made so that they are without excuse and again it says in verse 18 the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against the godlessness and un- wickedness of men who suppress the truth by their wickedness, since what may be known about God is plain to them, because God has made it plain to them. Yeah. So that's saying that the revelation towards the the world in general is via um, the created world, including. The human makeup. So, and let me ask you the question: Is that revelation of God biffy, a bit dodgy, a bit unsure, or what? No, no it is not. And how? And why do we know that? okay there's something yes yes that's true there's a, there's another thing that we could bring into the yeah where does it say God has made it plain yeah so it is plain and clear okay it's plain and clear revelation yes Uh, well, it could, it, uh, for example, you could say, when you look at the stars, you look at the stars, isn't it obvious that, the, that, that, that there's a grand creator of all these things? Yeah, I think, so, yeah, I, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yes, okay, so there's a. There's a. So. If I put conscience, yeah, which is what actually Ray said. Yes? On, on the other hand, you, you have people who don't
3: believe in God. Yes. I mean, I've had conversations with people who don't believe in God, and they, they still see the same creation as I see. They do indeed. And still, they don't. It's not plain and clear
0: to them, is it? Um, well. They they don't they don't say it's plain and clear, and I think there's an explanation of that in the text, isn't there? So yeah, what it, what what he's saying is verse 18. They suppress the truth. So what Paul Paul wouldn't say. Okay, here's the idea that the person says it's not plain or clear to me. I can't see this. And Paul would say to that person no you 're wrong. It is plain and clear, but the reason you 're not convinced about it is that you in yourself are have if you like, 've decided you don 't want to believe it you 've got a, a built in bias against believing it uh, you, or you know that as soon as you admitted there is a god you 'd open yourself up to all sorts of um, you know problems and challenges, so you just shut that off you know in denial I think is the is the word uh, that 's the way Paul would say it It 'd be quite difficult to say that to somebody in, in a conversation, but uh, um, that, 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 <laughs> and it might not even be helpful to say that but but that 's what what Paul is saying: The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against the godlessness and wickedness of men who suppress the truth by their Um, irreverence for what may be known about God is plain to them because God has made it plain so it's, it's very interesting isn't it because we're surrounded by people who say I can't see any evidence for God and clever people who say that and what the Bible is saying is well they may be clever and they may say they're not convinced about God but God has given them all the evidence they need Uh, And it goes on to say in verse 21, uh, although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became vain, empty, pointless, useless, unreliable, unserviceable, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools. Uh, I think that's a very appropriate description i mean i 'm not sure whether i 'd have the courage to say that to anybody 's face, but um, I mean this is what paul is saying isn 't it that you Jeremy Paxman or you John Humphreys or you uh, Professor Dawkins, uh, you who uh, don 't honor God and don 't give thanks to God and you claim to be very wise, you are in fact extremely stupid uh, spiritually speaking that 's what it says isn 't it um, they became fools. That, 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 that's what it says. It's, a, it's a illuminating, isn't it? Shall we go across to this side, to the Jew? What revelation does the Jew have? The law. Um, yeah, that's what, what he, he keeps on saying the Jew has the law. Uh, interesting what is the best understanding of that word I'm going to suggest and it is only a suggestion that law includes within it um, I'm only saying this because I read this in a book that I was reading this week so I'm still trying this idea on for size law doesn't only include the thou shalt's and thou shalt not's it includes the stories of scripture, doesn't it? So, you know, in the law, in the five books of Moses, you get uh, quite a number of things, not just the Ten Commandments, but you get, um, yeah, all the the narratives. And Chris Wright's uh, idea of law is that it is that whole thing that constitutes God's guidance to humanity. Um, Now, having written that, I'm, I'm wondering whether that makes it a little too weak. Anyway, we'll try that on for size, i put that in inverted commas. So the Jew has a a particular revelation, a revelation in words, a revelation in the scripture, a revelation with with particular ethical content. Uh, Could anybody give us a verse, just so that we're quite clear about that? Yeah, thank you. Chapter 2, verse 17, now you, he's talking to his second group. If you call yourself a Jew and you rely, you rest on the law. You rest on this body of scripture, you rest on you know, the fact that you have a Bible, you rest on uh, the fact that you know correct ethics, whatever it may be. You rely on the law and boast... Brag in God, you say, and if I've got this knowledge, I have God, and nobody can take that away from me. And I'll argue with you if you try and tell me I haven't, etc. Okay, so we've got these two: revelation from conscience and the created world, and revelation in, in actual the words of the Bible. Yeah. yeah, yes. He's saying that we've got the law written down for the Jew, but the conscience, it, in some sense, so I put that little squiggle to mean there's an approximate connection uh, with the law, so that, yes, as, as Julia was saying, we know right and wrong inwardly, and it, 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 it's just there.: Yes. Correct. Yes, there was no Torah. There was no... He knew. Yes, yes. So there's something hardwired into the way we've been created which matches up to the revelation in words that the scriptures contain. Okay, good. Let's go on to the responses. So I've put room for a typical response and typical behaviour in each case, although it might not be as neat as that. So a response to revelation by the world in general according to this suppression Yep, yeah. suppression is in verse 18 yep yeah. so Okay, so if I put a refusal there. So they don't glorify God and they don't give thanks to him, whereas Christians do glorify God and do give thanks to him. These refuse to do that. And there's another word that crops up a few times. Yes, thank you. There's an exchange that he refers to. So instead of there being nothing that is worshipped and honoured, something else is put into that place. So where do we get this? Uh, We've got it. 23. 23. They exchange the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like mortal man and birds and etc., and then you get the same thing in verse 25. They exchange 25. They exchange the truth of God for a lie. Verse 23. They exchange the glory. Verse 25. They exchange the truth of God for a lie. So, uh, so this is the typical large-scale behave, uh, response to God's revelation: uh, to suppress it, or refuse it, or to swap it over, to to exchange and where God ought to be responded to in a certain way then an image is put in that place. That's an interesting question as to whether we're, we're surrounded by a society which more or less claims not to believe in God and not to have any God at all. Um, now, Is that is that a true statement? That's the impression I get. The census that we um, we're told about a few weeks ago. Didn't it say? F- what does it say? Forty percent. No, what was it? Forty percent said they were Christians, and sixty percent said they had no God. Was it that how it worked? So, yeah. But, um, yeah. So, was it? Um, was it? Yeah, I know there's 40% in there somewhere. Yeah, it, it's an interesting question as, as to whether, t- if you say you have no God, whether that's really a correct diagnosis. Because I think that everybody makes a God out of something, even if it's something very mundane. Sorry? Yes, well, that's to make a God out of oneself, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, yeah. I, I I don't think human beings are capable of living apart from for some greater thing than themselves. Um, and, and to put one's trust in something, to make something that be all and end all, is to make a god. Uh, even though people wouldn't put it down on the census, you know, I, my god is... Whatever it is, football or or to be successful or to be cool or whatever it is yet yeah, that that in effect functions as a as a god yeah That is a very good question and the answer is no. What what can be seen is his eternal power and divine nature such that humankind is without (coughs) excuse. So he's not saying that there was enough in creation for somebody to be saved but there's enough in creation to say if you don't turn to God and worship God, if you make idols you are blameworthy. That's, uh, it, there's enough to to make people inexcusable. There isn't enough to save them. Does that make sense? There is enough so that God can say, "You should have worshipped me. You should have sought. You should have sought me. S- yeah. You should have been seeking me." And you should have made it your job, night and day, to find a way to to get to know me uh, and to find a solution to your. Well, no, no, I'm going too far now. Pardon? Yes, should have acknowledged me. Yes. Yes. Yes.
4: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yes, and you get that in, in Acts 17 where it says, um, God has disposed, uh, um, what does it say, ordered the place where each one of us should live, that, that somehow we should seek him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. So that sense that, that God has not sort of hidden himself, but actually made himself very accessible. And the problem is within us that we, we fail to, uh, to capitalize on that. Yes, 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 yeah, 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 that's right, that's right, and there are are, are stories, I mean I'm not familiar with any of them first, first hand, of people who were seeking the Lord and perhaps in a dream or something like that, and the, the Lord brought them into contact with people who had the Scriptures. Because you have to have the Scriptures to be saved, you can't be saved without that. Does that, does that fit in with, with anecdotes from sort of Muslim people? Thank you very much. Okay, so the typical response of the, um, the, the pagan, if we can use that expression, uh, we've just looked at suppressing, refusing, exchanging. What would be the typical response of the Jew? If, if Does he point out anything that, does he put his finger on some response that the, the Jew tends to have, or certainly the Jew that he's thinking of in his imaginary debate with the Jew? Okay, Ray's saying reliance on the outward the outward sign. Yep. What would be could I put that in one word? I'm not sure whether I can. Um, yes, yeah, so self righteous, it's um, self righteousness, a sense that having these things makes me right with God. Self righteousness. Anybody like to add to that? So right yeah. So there's a as a sort of boasting Anybody like to take that any further? Yes. Uh, um, well, it, I think well, the way he puts it is boasting in God via the wrong route but, but it's boasting that's linked with ritual um, and indeed the law I, I was thinking that of looking down on other people actually Doesn't, does he do that? He looks down you who pass judgment on somebody else chapter 2 verse 1 there's a sort of superiority I'm sorry? Yes, there is a delusion into thinking one's okay. It's a different sort of denial, isn't it? It's it's being in denial about one's own um, one's own sin, one's own shortcoming. So it, it, it's um, so here's a typical response which is produced by knowledge, religion, and yet it isn't grace. Uh, and I think you can find that. not only in the Judaism of his day, but in many religions in general. I was just commenting at at tea time that there is sort of nominal Christianity, which is a Christianity based on the perhaps that you are christened, based on the fact that there is a church that you go to occasionally, uh, perhaps based on the, the idea that you take communion or go to Mass or something like that, and if you say to that person, "But that doesn't make you a Christian," you can get a very sharp answer from them back. They uh, so "How dare you? How dare you question me on that? That's totally out of order." You know, you can get quite a sharp response. And I think this is what Paul has in mind here. Uh, and it, it, but it's 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 the it's the Jew. What was on earth was I doing? So I don't typical be no, I wasn't. I Was still on typical response, wasn't I? yep yeah. So. Uh, yes uh, self righteousness should we go to behavior are there any behavior patterns that fit with these may, may or may not be the case or maybe just another way of saying what we already have said the and and yeah Yes. Yes. So he's got this list of what you might call antisocial behaviour in, in the fullest sense that it stops people linking up with each other in a happy and um, loving way. So it is not very easy to link up socially with people who are slanderers, disobedient. Senseless, faithless, heartless, ruthless—it makes relationships uh, pretty, pretty hard work, pretty difficult. So you've got that side of things, and you also have the uh, this behaviour that he um, points out, which is crossing barriers of sexual behaviour that shouldn't be crossed. Uh, so that the normal—I'm sorry yes, yes there there, there are um, what am I trying to say Um, I'm not trying to use the word barriers am I trying to use the word distinctions boundaries is the word I was looking for there are boundaries yeah Uh, well the boundaries get crossed or or not recognised come in and the the vocabulary that he uses it doesn't come across in the NIV particularly well is a strength of desire so he he talks about being inflamed Uh, he says there's a strong desire at work here and he also has has a vocabulary of shame and he says that what ought to be sort of noble and pure is actually goes into the realm of something which is Uh, shameful, verse 26 God gave them over to the opposite of glory shameful Uh, but these people don't recognize it as that and whether he's saying this is a particularly bad form of behavior or whether he's saying that this is a particularly indicative form of behavior that shows that a society has lost the sense of the boundaries of who is God and who isn't and this just gets reflected in the the inner workings of that society. So people are um, have no conscience, have no sense that there's anything um, that God would not be pleased with. Because they're not interested in what God is pleased with. So it, it, the morality gets put onto a completely different footing to what God has planned. So I think that would be, um, as a matter of fact, we, we plan to spend an evening uh, in March... Uh, coming back to that subject, so I'll just leave it at, at that. At that point, if that's okay with everybody, and say, is there a typical behaviour for the Jew? And when I wrote that down, I can't remember what I was thinking of. So maybe the answer is no. Yes. Yes, Yes. we would call this hypocrisy, I think. Hip, now then, hip, hip, um, hip, hypocrisy. Hypocrisy in the Bible is not, generally speaking, a difference between the inside and the outside. It's a difference between what you do sometimes and what you do other times. That's what hypocrisy in the Bible is. It's interesting. By all means look it up and prove me wrong. But we tend to think hypocrisy is the difference between inside and outside. So that our motives are not what they should be or something like that. But in the Bible it's an inconsistency between what you do sometimes and what you do other times. Which of course is exactly what an an actor is. An actor is King Lear from 3 o'clock to 6 o'clock Monday, Wednesday and Friday and then from 8 o'clock till 10.30 on Saturday and Sunday and then the rest of the time he's somebody else. It's a, it's a difference between what you are some of the time and what you are the rest of the time. Anyway, uh, so the, the, the Jew here is on the one hand saying well I know the law, I've got the law I could repeat it to you I could praise God for it and on the other hand not doing what the law says. So that's, I don't know whether, it does he say hypocrisy or have we just put that to it? No, it's
3: just in in 20, 20 on this, you've got, um, you who um, do such and such, you,
0: um, you have poor idols, do you rob
3: temples? Do you brag about the law, do you dishonor?
0: Yes, 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 okay, so hypocrisy will do god's action and reaction. shall so we do this quite quickly to the to the um greek Roman society what does god what is god's action or reaction he gave them over to them. Yes, he uh, gives over, he gave over, he hands over, he puts them in that place he gives them over to that and says well if that's the way you want to behave I will just let you do that that's the way you want to do it I will let you do it he gives them over to sin verse 24 and it says it somewhere else verse 26 and it says it in verse 28 so God gives people over to that and for the Jew Can I bring chapter 3, verse 2 into play for the Jew? Yeah, they're they're unfaithful, but God has been faithful to them. God has given them um, many things that they have not lived up to so uh, perhaps i could put in here god's action to the jew is that he has blessed them and it's a blessing that's been refused or suppressed or something and paul goes on to say you no know, circumcision it's not nothing it's not just a uh, something to trip over it's a, it's a, of much value in every way and the law is not something just which makes the Jew more blameworthy but actually there's, there's great blessings in God's guidance and his revelation and later on he will say look the Jew has got all these things that are fulfilled in the gospel they've got the temple worship they understand the character of God theirs is the sonship theirs is the Christ from them is the Christ who is God who is blessed over all so he's saying there's, there's huge blessing uh, for the Jew let's move on Uh, one of the things that he was assuming all the way through was this is the axiom isn't it God will definitely something the world in a something way something begins with J judge judge the world in a in a righteous way, in a fair way if I put fair meaning to say just not not vindictive, not um, not favoritism, but one for one. What 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 you sow, you reap. You get what you deserve. God will judge the world in a fair way, and He says this is this is absolutely fundamental. And that means that there's a problem for the Gentile who will be judged fairly, and a problem for the Jew who will be judged fairly. Uh, and that leads us back to the beginning I think all have sinned this proves it doesn't it, all have sinned, all perhaps in their different ways but all fall short of the glory of God and if they're to be saved they need to be justified freely by the grace that comes through the redemption of Jesus Christ it pushes everybody towards the cross of Jesus we won't finish just yet but we will sing let's sing number 433 that took longer than 20 minutes but let's let's sing about the redemption that's in Christ Jesus 433 man of sorrows we sang it this morning it's about Jesus Christ as the focus that we are driven to whether we are Jews or Gentiles for a, a two does this have any implications well it does have many implications doesn't it Perhaps worth spelling out a little bit. In terms of mission, in terms of the way we look at the world that we're in, and in terms of individual devotion, and any other things that come to mind, anybody like to suggest these implications? Perhaps it doesn't have implications. Implications implications is what follows from it or how, how I respond to it or what it means we should think what it means we should do well that we should be shocked
1: here yeah, in the world in my absence
4: there have before um, and that we should talk about Jesus oh, well yes <laughs> yeah <laughs>
3: All have sinned. So we're not superior. Yeah.
0: We're not superior. You know, They're part by the grace of God. Yeah. All, so we need to approach the you know, with. people. And yes. I, yeah, uh, so our sermon is saying that we all have sinned. That includes us. We can't be looking down on other people. We should be humble and grateful for the grace that's been shown to us and uh, Julia was saying we shouldn't be shocked by sin I wonder whether whether we quite agree with that um, but we should tell other people about Jesus does it say we should be shocked or we shouldn't be shocked no, I don't
4: know that. I that I
0: yes yeah, oh well absolutely. Yeah, I'm I'm going to be there in hum- humble gratitude for grace because I was a sinner. I, I'm wondering whether it, it's it's actually showing okay. to us that that that, that the, the world thinks sin isn't shocking. But we should say, Well it is. It is. Do, do you see what in I, another I mean? Sense. It in the yeah sense. doesn't even know. We know we yeah. know what sin
3: is, so it's yeah.
1: Yes. Yeah, we should just say it. that's how it is. Yeah, that's how it is. And unless these people know, start to know God or
3: acknowledge God, yeah, then they
4: is going
0: to be to have any time. So we need to get them to know it. Yes, so, so I put there's a realism, it gives us a realism about the state of the world. We shouldn't, we shouldn't, well, I think what we shouldn't have is a false confidence in human nature. Uh, do you, I remember somebody saying such and such shook their faith in human nature and therefore they couldn't be a Christian anymore or something like that I thought well that's daft because the whole idea of being a Christian is we didn't have faith in human nature we used to but now we don't have faith in human nature we have faith in God in His grace and realistically we say that actually humanity uh, for all the the wonderful gifts that God has given and His wonderful grace uh, human beings are in a right pickle and, uh, well, not know that?
4: What? I'm a bit
0: shocked, yes. Uh, well, um, wait a minute. Uh, so I'm saying there's a realism, mm. but there's also we should have a sensitivity to sin that other people ought to have but don't have. So I, I don't know. Perhaps we're trying to use the same word to mean two different things, but there's, there's a realism that sin is in the world. Yeah, mm. it is. But, uh, uh, So, I think we are shocked when people take the Lord's name in vain. Yeah, we say that that's wrong, but other people say it doesn't matter. I just say that. So, um, it's telling us we should be shocked. There's some senses in which we should be shocked. Yes. Yes, yes. Yeah. I think what, what pr- Christian faith does, it brings us out of denial into realism, doesn't it? Um, one or two people like to say a prayer, uh, and then we'll sing and close. I'll leave that up on the screen.